Hey, 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 good morning, good morning. It is time for Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit with your host, Dr. Carol Penn, doubly board certified in family medicine and obesity medicine and your master movement meditation and mindset coach. I am so excited to be here with you this Sunday. This is a holiday Sunday. We're between the Christmas and the New Year's and we are here on Kwanzaa. So we're going to drop some pearls about Kwanzaa today and about why it's important that we celebrate this holiday. And maybe for some of you, it'll be an introduction. For some of us, it'll be a reminder, but we're just going to go with the flow. And as always, I have some fabulous special guests and some surprises here this morning. So we can just kick off this week. As a matter of fact, during the week, I'm going to be talking about the principles of Kwanzaa and taking them into meditation. So I am super excited, but why is this show called Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit? Well, two reasons. Yes, I am board certified in obesity medicine. So that's fabulous and that's wonderful. And I look at treating obesity and overweight as a chronic illness, relapsing and remitting, and it impacts absolutely every single body system that we have, without a doubt. And it also impacts our psychological, emotional, and spiritual state. So really, what does it mean to be weightless? What does it mean on the physical plane? What does it mean on the psychological, the emotional, the spiritual plane? So we can talk about that endlessly. And that's what my superstar guests and I do. We talk about all of the above. But over this holiday time, we're having some special shows kicked off with my birthday show. Yes, and I'm still celebrating my birthday, my birthday. And it's going to continue right through our New Year's show next week. So let's see, who do we got a couple of people watching this morning? I don't see anybody that, come on, y'all, you know you need to drop it in the chat. Who's here so I could bring you on and I can welcome you. That's so important that we know who's watching and I welcome you. But without further ado... I'm just going to let you see my beautiful guests before I introduce them. And then my, our surprise is um, Mr. G.M. Jones, who's going to give us a little bit and going to frame the history of Kwanzaa for us. So let me go ahead and, uh, and uh, look, look, look who's here. Dr. Lakeisha, check it out. Check, look who's here. Miss Victoria, Miss Victoria, you know, both of these ladies are, have essentially become uh, family members, but Miss Victoria Adjikapede, superstar occupational therapist, was instrumental in our lives. And so we are so just grateful that we have her. And of course, there he is, the man of the hour, my life partner. Mr. D.M. Jones, Mr. D.M. Jones. So, beloved, why don't you tell us a little bit about the history of Kwanzaa? I'm thrilled to. Habari Ghani. Habari Ghani. Yes, Habari Ghani, Dr. Lakeisha. And Habari Ghani, Victoria. Kwanzaa is an African-American celebration of life from December 26th through January 1st. Dr. Molana Karenga introduced the festival in 1966 to the United States as a ritual to welcome the first harvest to home. Dr. Karenga created the festival for Afro-Americans as a response to the commercialism of Christmas. Kwanzaa is not a religious holiday, but a cultural one with an inherent spiritual quality. Dr. Kwanga writes, thus Africans of all faiths can and do celebrate Kwanzaa. I say again, Habari Ghani, which means what's the news? The greetings during Kwanzaa are in Kiswali, which is a dialect of Swahili. Kiswali is a pan-African language and 
chosen to reflect African Americans' commitment to the whole of Africa and African culture rather than to, to describe a specific ethnic or national group or culture. The greetings are to reinforce the awareness of and commitment to the seven principles. It is again, Habari Ghani, which means, what's the news? The answer of each is each of the principles for each of the days of Kwanzaa. For example, yesterday was Umoja, the first day of Kwanzaa, and today is Kuji Chaga Oh boy, I'm sorry, Kuji Chaga Glia. That's the second day of Kwanzaa. So Kwanzaa has been with us since 1966, and I thank you all for bringing this discussion forward and sharing it with the world. All right. Thank okay. you, my darling. And uh, we will see you on Thank the you. other side. I'll be listening. Thank you. All right. Well, here we are. Here we are. So, you know, why Kwanzaa? Why am I bringing this forward? And one of the reasons why I was bringing it forward, given the context of what the world is going through right now, I think it's an idea or concept that needs to be revisited, certainly within the African-American community, and then also within the community outside of the African-American community. But we're going to get to that in a minute. So our first guest, you can see her there with her head. She's rocking her headsets. Dr. Lakeisha McMillan, she is board certified OB-GYN. I'm going to let her introduce herself to you, whatever she'd like to share with you all today. And then Victoria Ajikapede, our dear, dear, dear friend. We met her first when DM had major orthopedic surgery and needed to learn how to walk again. And our doorbell rang and in walked this beautiful queen. So who describes herself as working as an occupational therapist specializing in physical dysfunction with a focus in pediatrics, adults, and geriatrics for the past 13 years? Prior to OT, she graduated with a double major in biology and education. She's the mom to three, a 28-year-old son, a 24-year-old daughter, and a 21-year-old son. So, you know, she's in the thick of it in terms of raising strong young adults. You know, there's so many aspects to to, to parenting. And um, I myself, the mother, you know, two boys biologically and then child of my heart, my stepson. So the boys are 25 and 16, soon to be 26 and 17. Again, being raised in the midst of it's very challenging time, you know, within and without the African-American community. And Dr. Lakeisha, she, she the baby in the bunch because she got, got, got the younger children. So Dr. Lakeisha, come on in, tell us about your family and welcome to Weightless in Mind, Body and Spirit. Thank you so much, Dr. Carol. Oh my goodness, I just um, am loving the spirit of this conversation, being in this virtual room with you ladies and with DM earlier. Um, I'm Dr. Lakeisha. I'm an integrative gynecologist, hormone specialist. I'm a speaker, best-selling author, and I help women who are struggling with depleting hormones get their hormones balanced, regain mental sharpness, have energy to last the entire day, and remember just how beautiful and vital they are. And um, I do that through my concierge practice, my speaking circuit, and my best-selling book. You know, you all are the big mamas, I call that, you know, because you guys got the older kids. You guys have traversed where I am going. We have two wonderful human beings that have been gifted to us, and they are 9 and 13. So y'all pray my strength. And, and, you know, we are in the thick of that distance learning. And so we have mm -hmm. taken on the role of homeschooling. We have just, we decided at the end of last school year when we saw that the pandemic was going to be affecting our lives for an extended period of time and going into the school year that we needed to address the way that our family would be able to traverse that this new terrain. 
And part of it was the education of our children. And so we looked at the various programs. I actually had my girlfriend, my best friend, my roommate from college who called me up and was like, have you heard about this program? And so we looked at it, we you know, showed it to the children. They had a YouTube like tutorial and you, know, you have to have them kind of buy into this, right? Because if it's going to work, everybody has to have a stake in it. And so I have been afforded the opportunity to be their teacher this school year. <laughs> and I'm having conversations with them that I know I wouldn't be having any other way besides being in the space with them at this time. And so, you know, it's interesting that we that I'm able to have this conversation with that you opened this up and said, who wants to come and talk about Kwanzaa and, and open up this discussion on this day as we are in the second day of Kwanzaa. I um, started looking at Kwanzaa um, because we're, we're trying to, you know, as part of the educational process of our children, it's not just educating them with the pen and paper and books, but about life. And for us as African-Americans, we have a unique situation being, you know, born in this country and trying to discover our roots, you know, trying to have some type mm -hmm. of lineage connection and part of that is, you know, sometimes we have to create new, tra new traditions and we have to establish new things that we call our own. And so I, I actually just started looking into Kwanzaa and trying to understand it more and, un and trying to figure out, is this something that we're going to make a part of us? And I love the principles. I'm enjoying understanding what those principles mean and how you can fit it into your life and how I can give this to our children as another anchor for them as they traverse this life. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Victoria, before you come on, I want to welcome a couple of our, our guests to say hello. So good morning, Linda Parker Edwards, hashtag Meditation Nation. We recognize this name. We're so glad to uh, see Linda has joined us this morning. And I bet Weldon is somewhere in the background, not too far away. And good morning and welcome, Dr. Dietrich. Yes, yes, yes. AP, hashtag Rowan University School of Osteopathic Medicine in the house. Dr. Dietrich and I went to medical school together. Good morning, Martha. Hashtag, we, yes, we do remember Meditation Nation. Yes, good morning and welcome, Patricia. And yes, my beloved Habari Ghani, Habari Ghani. So, you know, one of the things that I love about this is that as people wake up, people are, you know, we're still, we're in holiday mood, you know, might be sleeping a little bit later and what have you. They can watch it anytime and they can listen to this show as a podcast. Many people listen later in the day or later in the week, anytime, you know, that they want to. So Victoria, you have a different experience uh, than certainly than Dr. Lakeisha and I do. Tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, how you come to this. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Victoria, and I am so happy and glad to be here sharing this space on the last uh, Sunday of 2020. Okay, 2020, goodbye. So... <laughs> But they say, what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. That's right. So for me, I'm originally West African. I'm, I share both cultures, uh, being a Gambian, my mother uh, being a full Gambian, 100%, and my father half Nigerian, half Gambian. So I grew up with the best of both worlds. Um, for me, Kwanzaa, the way I see Kwanzaa, it should be the foundation. It shouldn't be just a week of, of celebration. It should be what we in, strive to live every day. It should be the foundation that we show up with, we, we, we speak to the world with on a daily basis. So for me, foundation should be part of who we are every day, not what we are. We should we should use the foundation to, to, to show the world, to teach the world, not just the people we love, but others. 
So Kwanzaa is just foundation on how, how we should live our lives on a daily basis. Beautiful. Thank you for those comments. And so, you know, people might be wondering um, what Kwanzaa is and what those principles are that DM referred to and what we're talking about. So I'm going to go over them and I'm actually going to spell them out. I'm going to ask my beloved to drop the names in the chat. So here we go. So Kwanzaa has seven principles, each to be reflected upon each day. So it started yesterday. We starts the day after uh, Christmas. And the first principle is Umoja, U-M-O-J-A. And that means unity in the Kiswahili. And success starts with unity, unity of family, unity of community, unity of nation, and unity of race. And this is, Dr. Lakeisha, what you were talking about, you know, looking at, you know, unity of your family. What are you bringing together now that you are gifted with being the principal, teacher, social worker, lunch lady, and everything all rolled into one, honey? I have one. Um, one client who was saying, she said, I was just not cut out for this. I'm looking forward to going back to mom. Right. I need to go back to mom, playing all these five different things every day. It is. It's not easy. It's not easy. And uh, Patricia is saying, happy Kwanzaa and St. Stephen's Boxing Day to my friends in the UK. Again, that's another beautiful cultural Tradition, Boxing Day, the United Kingdom and St. Stephen's Days. I hope whatever faith or spiritual holidays you celebrate, may they be blessed. And isn't that a beautiful message? I love, Victoria, when you were talking about, you know, having the best of both worlds and, you know, experiencing these multiplicity of, of cultures from the, the motherland. And then, you know, of course, your experience here in the United States and, you know, bringing forward the knowledge base that you bring forward. And I couldn't agree with Patricia Moore. My, my other, my cultural half, genetically, all is from the United Kingdom. So, you know, you know, what is my genetic makeup? What is my, my, my background? And it is like so many African-Americans, so many European-Americans, it's, you know, you're, you have this. And isn't it beautiful when we can embrace that, when we can understand the, the roots of things, the history of things? Oh. So to me, it makes the world a much more interesting place. Absolutely. And I believe, you know, this year was one of those years where we needed more grounding, you know, to be able to have those roots you talk about so so eloquently when we do our meditation, to be able to ground us. And so this practice, and like Patricia says, you know, any type of I guess, you know, religious holiday or, you know, tradition, cultural tradition. I think about my husband, he's Bahamian and, you know, they do, um, they do Junkanoo. So Junkanoo starts midnight Christmas and goes into the next day, you know, Boxing Day. And it, I mean, you have the most beautiful costumes that they have been working on all year. And there's history behind that. And, you know, not being able to go this year or, you know, being able to go back and take the kids and give them some of those roots. This is another way to be able, like Victoria said, to be able to live put something in our foundation to say, hey, this is how we're going to be, how we're going to show up in the world. This is how I'm going to be able to walk in my purpose to figure out how I'm going to interact and be a contributing member to society by instilling in us certain principles that can, you know, enhance our, even our cultural awareness and backgrounds. Beautiful, beautiful. Let's see. So there are all the seven principles right there. So the next one is Kujijakulia, self-determination, to be responsible to ourselves, to create our own destiny. And again, when you think about it, first two principles, you know, so we have unity and self-determination. As Victoria was saying, this can be who we are. We can cultivate these principles, they're really principles of character, 
principles of character. Then we have Ujima, a collective work and responsibility to build and maintain our communities, to work together, to help one another. So important. We have to be our brother's keeper. This, again, this collective work and responsibility. Day four is Ujima, collective economics. Hello, to build, maintain, and support our own stores, establishments, and businesses. Day five is Nia, or purpose, to restore African-American people to our traditional greatness, responsibility to our ancestors, and responsibilities to our descendants. Then we have Kuamba, which is creativity, use creativity and imagination to make our communities better. Um, and then day seven is, which will take place on January 1st, it's Imani or faith, believing in our people, our families, and um, our leaders, our arts, and our struggles. So again, these are principles of life. These are, you know, and I think at this time, so here's day two, Kuji Jakalia, self-determination, to define and name ourselves as well as to create and speak for ourselves. These are principles that anyone can live by. And I think, you know, COVID-19 has brought up a lot of things. It's uncovered a lot of things. And I just think that the principles of Kwanzaa right now fit right in, in terms of being very, very timely for the globe. Again, another contribution from, you know, the African-American diaspora and Dr. Karenga, you know, what he put forward and this, he, he started developing this and put this forward in 1966 after the Watts riots, which were so destructive. So, so Victoria, how do you feel about principle number two? Today's the day of self-determination. I know this is something you have been really devoting yourself to all this year. Yeah. Um, self-determination. You got to believe in yourself. Um, you don't have to, you have to believe in yourself. Um, I always say one thing. If I didn't go through my struggles, I wouldn't have found my strength. So, yeah, that's the way I see it. You have to, you have to be determined to, you have to set your goals and you have to be determined to fulfill your goals. And then look at, looking at the principles of Kwanzaa, unity, you got to understand that you cannot do it by yourself. So you have to pull on the village. You have to pull on your circle of friends. You guys have to unite, right? There, are, if you go down the principles, it all helps with the self-determination. It all it all helps us to fulfill our life uh, our life's goals. So self-determination, prove it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to prove it to you. You don't have to compete with anybody. You don't have to prove it to anybody. You owe yourself to prove it to you. And that's all that matters. Absolutely. So, Dr. Lakeisha, how does self-determination, how does that show up in healthcare? How does that, you know, the, the patient who comes to you with self-determination or the client who comes to you with self-determination versus one who does not? Oh, that's such a great question, Dr. Carol. The person that shows up with self-determination, we become a partner. Like we sit down and we're able to have a partnership. I don't feel as if I'm just telling you, oh, this is what you need to do. And, and we do these little checklists and they're sitting there like, okay, but they buy in. We have a partnership as to the plan of, of action. So they have an understanding of what I'm com where I'm coming from, I'm contributing as a healthcare provider to their healthcare team as the physician, and we're having a collective moving forward. You know, so the, the patient that shows up that is self-determinate that has self-determination, I don't feel I have to convince them. 
of anything. They are going to be that partner. So I'm sure that you see it too, especially in the world of obesity medicine. They have to come with this, okay, I'm ready. We're going we're gonna to work with this together. I know that this is not a sprint. We're going to walk this marathon together. We're going to make sure, you know, they have a, they have this inward spirit or burning within them that they are going to get to the other side. Like they're going to traverse whatever valley they're in and we're going to do this together. So I find that the person that comes with self-determination, I enjoy those conversations with them. And even if they're hard conversations, even if there's something that we really have to dig through and, and work out through several different visits, those are such fulfilling visits for both. I get an exchange. It's not just me pouring in and dumping into them, but there is this exchange that happens with the patient that comes in with self-determination. They become an advocate for themselves. You know, I don't necessarily have to pull and and pull out of them what's going on and try and okay, what else? No, there is this beautiful exchange that happens. And I tell them all I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. We're gonna be this, it's gonna be this wonderful partnership. And you know, I'm able to practice more. What I, I've learned is narrative medicine where we become this partner where I'm able to to give you tools as we walk this journey together. Because a lot of times as physicians, and, and Victoria, I know as you, as a provider, you are meeting someone usually at a very low point in their life. A lot of times they're on the basement or in the basement of their life. And so you are privileged to be there with them at that time. And if they have this self-determination, you see that little spark and you know you can pull on that and you can then we can walk this road together, even though it's going to be rocky, it may not be as smooth and paved, but that's the way I see self-determination show up. Oh, yeah. Piggybacking on what you have to say, this, this goes, I'll give you a perfect example. I have a patient right now. She's a C to complete. Everybody told her, forget it. I walked in, she was literally, you know, complete paralyzed from neck down, nothing. Right now, she's actually moving her legs because that girl is determined. I mean, yes, I go in and I give it my all, but that girl has voluntary movements now in her toes. Um, she's responding, her muscles are responding to the sensory integration technique that I'm using. And right now, um, she's so it, it, her results are so great, she's going back to McGee. So that's the determination we're talking about. That girl never gave up hope. Her family never gave up hope. They were like, we're going to defy the odds. And that's all we need to see. And that's all I need to see when I walk into your house. If I see that determination, I'm all in. But if I don't say it, it's a case of, oh, my God, you know, I got to bring it out. But you got to show me you're determined. And that is what that is what gives you results, not just the defeatist attitude. You, we have to understand that we're not victims. We're victorious. That is awesome. That that is so awesome. I, I tell patients all the time this. We, we've now started a relationship here, just like when you start relationships. Now, if there's something that happens that you don't like, don't go and break up with me and I don't know it. You know, I said, let's come back and let's have a conversation and let's figure out what's going on. And and I believe and I see those with that self-determination. They're the ones that engage in these conversations, because a lot of times I'm dealing with women that have hormonal you know, imbalances. And so it's a matter of really looking at all the different physiological entities that will play into that. And so we may work on this system this time around, and maybe it's now showing up and unmasking another system that needs to be worked on. And so it's it's uncovering other symptoms. And as long as they know that, we can continue to work together. And so that's why I say, look here, this is not a sprint. You didn't get here overnight. So we're I don't have a silver bullet. 
There's not the one-stop shop. There's not this little, oh, take this pill. There's no magic pill. This is a this is a partnership. This is a relationship. And those that have the self-determination, like you, Victoria, like you said, and I'm I'm so glad DM put this in the in the chat. If you don't go through, if I didn't go through my struggles, I wouldn't have found my strength. Another way that it was said to me when I met my my business coach and I was I was at this point. Oh my goodness, I was just like boom on the floor on the basement and I just told him my story and the next thing he said to me was like there's purpose in your pain. And understanding that and and tapping into that self-determination. That that's what these little quotes do. It taps into that principle and as we if we learn that it is really a principle of life then we have something to build on. We have a foundation that we can then put we have the scaffolding on and continue to build. Well said. Now, tomorrow is Ujima, collective work and responsibility to build and maintain our community together and make our brothers and sisters problems our problems and to solve them together. And I think with what we're facing in 2021, Again, Ujima is so important, this idea of collective work and responsibility. And, you know, one of the things I'm committed to is just like we're having this discussion is to introduce the, introduce these seven principles into medical circles because medicine is trying to grapple with and begin to uh, dismantle. First, they got to take the system apart, continuing COVID has started that, showing us that the emperor has no, clo no clothes, but to dismantle the implicit bias and racism that is a part of the medical system. You know, right now I'm sitting on a national committee uh, that is looking at that in, in medicine. And I just want to just, you know, I'm just holding in my heart the story of Dr. Susan Moore, a medical doctor who died last week and who is on record. She put it on record. She recorded herself that she feels that she experienced the implicit bias and racism of the medical system at the hands of the medical system while she's inpatient, suffering with COVID, and they knew she was a doctor. And this is how deep this goes in our society. You know, these stories keep coming forward and they keep coming out. And, you know, God bless her and God bless her family that she literally used the last breaths in her body to say this happens. This is happening in real time now, today. And yeah, you know, I've committed my life, you know, to ending racism. This is one of this is one of my big missions in life, you know, ending racism in my lifetime. And all doctors, all doctors, black, white, yellow, red, pink, blue, polka dot, whatever you are, we need to be, understand these seven principles and begin to employ them ourselves. Because our job is to treat anybody that shows up in front of us. We have to examine the biases in our own minds, regardless, because if we have a patient in front of us, you have to treat that patient. And we all, and I also have a commitment to getting, because unfortunately, the optic is still important. Really, the root of it should be the human's consciousness. What is your consciousness as a human being toward other human beings? But right now, the optic is that and the consciousness of humanity is such that we need more doctors who look like us to treat people who look like us because we will show up and we're more the trustworthiness is more so there. And there's good reason why there's not trustworthiness. So I'm just going to put it out there. So we'll be talking more about Ujima tomorrow and meditation in a time of madness. But what are your thoughts and feelings about, you know, introducing these seven principles as a part of what we need to look at as healthcare professionals?
I think it's it's a great idea. Uh, for me personally, this implicit bias, I've had other clinicians during a meeting say, my husband doesn't want me to go in there. Oh, I'm not allowed to go in there. So one of the reasons, I just got tired of the way my, people, people of color, minorities were being treated. Um, you will see somebody who needs the services, they get cut after four weeks. But somebody who doesn't need the service has eight weeks of therapy. So one of the reasons why I branched out into home care as well was to go into the inner city, the places people fear to go to. That's where I go. And I'll tell you this, my patients in the inner city or the hoods or the ghettos or whatever you, whatever society wants to uh, give it a name as, those are the people that I feel most at home with. Because first of all, they're happy that you are listening to them. They're happy that you are actually helping them out where everybody else has turned their backs on them. So for me, I've had, when I go into the exclusive neighborhoods, I've been called the N-word. I have been called, you name it. They don't, I just, I still do my job. Because for me, when I have, when I'm faced with things like that, it is not what you call me, it's what I answer to. I'm here to do my job. And I'm not going to let that get in the way because I will treat, if you don't want to treat me the way I treat you, that's on you. But I will still treat you the way I would want to be treated regardless of all the nonsense going on. So yes, one of the reasons why I'm in this, in home care especially, is because I go in where people don't want to go in um, because I believe people of color, minorities, have the right to be treated the way somebody else in another zip code is treated. Beautiful, beautiful. So we got a couple of more guests to bring on. Well, people, just this good morning, grand rising to you, Kenneth. So Martha Hill, I want to interact with my own research and have my questions answered about my treatments. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Patricia, yes, please apply the seven principles to medical treatment. You need to be a good patient advocate for yourself or a loved one who needs to be there for them. And I do believe that the boat floats away. You know, I want uh, patients to understand this and I want our professional colleagues to understand this. And I'm just seeing the relationship and how these seven principles could be very helpful. Um, in this way. National Urban League, State of Black America, that, yes, a wonderful resource for people to check out and to and to know about, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, it's interesting. So one of the things that, you know, and this is, you know, part of uh, public health, and I know Victoria is going to be going, stepping into a public health. So for instance, in the wonderful city of Chicago, where our oldest lives. Oh, and I'm so glad he was able uh, to be here now to be with family. We have a 30 year gap in life expectancy between people who live in certain zip codes in Chicago and then people who live in the south side of Chicago. So there's certain zip codes in Chicago. The life expectancy is up to 90. Chicago is a wonderful city. It's a very clean city. Yet in the south side of Chicago, life expectancy, 59 years old. Now, how could that be? How did that happen? There are neighborhoods in Chicago that don't have a grocery store in them. So, you know, you know, I, I heard it this morning. Woman was saying they got this vaccination out here in less than a year. And yet I've been living in this neighborhood in Chicago for 50 years and I don't have a grocery store I could go to. How did that happen? How does that happen? And how do we uh, uh, continually allow these things to happen except for our nation, our great nation has a horrible problem with this implicit bias, with this racism. Yes, good morning and welcome, Rebecca. She says she's a little late, but we love her anyway. So good morning and welcome, Linda uh, Smith. And yes, Rebecca, that age 
expectancy difference is a tragedy, is an absolute tragedy. No question about it. And yet, you know, you know, anyway, anywho, these are why I feel so, you know, committed to devoting a great deal of, of, of my life because, you know, well, let's face it, the life I might be saving is my own because if I get sick and go into a hospital for whatever reason, I, I'm just like Dr. Susan Moore. It's not going to matter. I'm going to be a black woman in the hospital. May or may they, you know, and, and it's not going to matter. And again, what's so amazing, all the studies show it's not going to matter when they look in my bank account. It's not going to matter when they look at my education. It's not going to matter when they look at my degrees. I'm still, at the end of the day, going to be treated like, you know, not quite a human being. I'm still going to be more vulnerable. I'm still going to be more at risk. And I'm sorry, that's not acceptable to me. You know, one of the world's greatest athletes, Serena Williams, almost died in her childbirth experience. Certainly a person who knows her own body better than most people on the planet, but it didn't matter. Surely, the, when she was in the hospital, sure, surely they must have known she was the one and only Serena Williams. They must have known that. But yet they almost let that woman die. Exactly. And, you know, I don't have, of course, an extreme case as Dr. Susan Moore. But when I was when I was actually in labor with our first child, um, anesthesiologist came in to give me my epidural and I kept telling her, you know, that hurts or, you know, and I knew I was like, you're in the wrong space. You're, you're in the wrong space, you know, and, and she's just, no. And, you know, you're just taking too much um, medication. And she was just trying to numb me up. And I was like, no, you're in the wrong space. And and so she left the room to go get another kit. And I mean, I am now in tears, like I'm in tears. My husband's like, I'm like. And when she came back in, my nurse was back in, and I guess she had finally read something in my chart and realized I was Dr. McMillan that used to work on labor and delivery. And she was like, why didn't you tell me who this was? I was like, it shouldn't have mattered. It should not have even mattered. I was a patient of yours in labor, needing your assistance, and if I'm saying something, you should be able to hear me and treat me accordingly. And I'm seeing this now just in my patients. What I can do is I see where the conversations need to be different. And so I know that there are times where when I get a patient from, you know, in the practice that I do part-time work in, if they haven't fully understood or they'll say, well, I just didn't understand the way that, you know, my situation was explained. And I know that I have to use different verbiage for them or just different work, you know, give them a different type of story and help them to see it a different way. And so that's the way I feel that I'm able to work is that I take the time, I slow down and I, and I'm trying to see where I can connect with them, what it is that I can actually, how can we connect on a human level so that then we're able to do this part partnership because that that's really what it is we need to connect as human beings that's what i hear you saying is that we're not treating each other as human beings and i feel like this principle this you know the the principle of emoja um, is that one of where we're building together we're we're treating each other like family you know, because you would you would, you know, hope that that family connection would would have a different type of interaction. And so that's where I believe the, the principle, how we can how we can use that principle in the way that we treat and, and work with one another. Yeah. Piggybacking on what you said, Dr. Lakeisha, the golden rule is do unto others as you wish to be done unto you. Perfect example again, just what you were saying about patient care. People I see in home care, you have COPD, you have this, you have that. The patient, I go there, they're on fluid restrictions, it's on the chart. They're guzzling 
they're guzzling fluid like you know what. So I just go, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's stop right here. I go, hey, and I start, what what diagnosis did were you in the hospital for? I don't know, they got COPD. A lot of patients think COPD is the word. They actually think COPD is the name of a disease. Like they don't even know it's abbreviated. So I go, you got COPD? Or oh, some of them said cupped. I'm like, what is cupped? And I and I and I had to read the chart and I said, you got COPD. I said, what does that mean? And they're like, huh? So gotta dial it back. So I start from the ground up. Ma'am, you have COPD. This it what this is what it means. Oh. And this is what you shouldn't be doing. And they go, Lord Jesus, I've been drinking. Yeah. Yeah. So we really have to, again, it goes back to the disparity, the healthcare disparity. You have somebody who has COPD, you just discharge them without sitting them, sitting them down to let them understand what it's all about. Somebody's hypertensive, they have all, they're taking seven different hypertensive medicines and they're wondering why their right arm is limp or they're wondering why they stood up and they fell down. Nobody sat down and nobody sat down to say, you can't, do, I shouldn't be doing that. That is outside of my realm, but I have to. So I'm calling my friends who are doctors, who are nurses to say, yo, I don't, I don't have to call a girlfriend of mine who has a pharmacy. She's a pharmacist. And I'm like, listen, yo, what do we do here? And she's the one who had to go through the Victoria. Don't let her take this. Don't let her take this. Don't let her take this. But you had nurses who went in there. Did the nurse check it? Mm-mm. So this healthcare disparity thing, it's, it's crazy. And that's why, yes, if we treat each other we, we, the way we want to be treated, all of this healthcare disparity thing will be a thing of the past. I have an 87-year-old mother. She's in the Gambia. I don't have a problem because I know the people who are taking care of her are taking care of her the way I would treat somebody else's mother. So I'm not worried. So, yeah. So, I mean, this this healthcare disparity thing, this 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 whole um, because I'm black, I have to be on the short end of the stick has to end. And this is the reason why I'm in the I'm in the I am in the hood, like they say, I'm in those zip codes that nobody wants to go because I believe those people deserve to be treated the way that I would want to be treated or the way I would want to treat somebody else in the exclusive zip codes. That's my spiel. I'm, don't, don't let me get off here on the tangent. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. So we have some uh, comments here. When the dominant culture feels threatened, they take action. When that same group observes threats and pain inflicted on those outside of their respective bubbles, they speak empathy. Hmm. But yeah, really. So here from uh, Closing of Provident Hospital, started by Daniel Hell Williams in Chicago. Yes, one of our preeminent African-American doctors. All right, audience, I want you to look him up. That's your homework today. I want you to look up. I want you to look up some of the very famous names in terms of African-American healthcare, which is really about healthcare for everyone, everyone, everybody needs healthcare. But some of the discoveries that help to forward modern medicine actually can be attributed to people who look like Victoria, Dr. Lakeisha and I, but a lot of people don't realize that. Look up Dr. Daniel Hale Williams. So Kenneth is, he's given us some history today. 50 years on the south sides of Chicago, now 62 years old. So since he was 12, yes, yes, Linda Parker Edwards. It is shameful. Linda's parents in education and in healthcare in this community of Red Bank, where I am now, so grateful to what the the Parker family has contributed not only here locally, but nationally to healthcare. Uh, Patricia Brennan, very wise words from all three of us. Kenneth is saying home of Minister Farrakhan, Reverend Jesse. Yeah, we said yes. I saw when I was in uh, the South side of Chicago last, I saw Reverend Jesse. He came into the restaurant to eat lunch where I was having lunch. I was just so thrilled about that. Launching grounds of President Barack Obama. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So we welcome Hodge to the show this morning. So, you know, we have, um, you know, so many people. Clifton, we have a lot of new viewers this morning. Um, yes, here, a doctoral class of 2021 and NAPRA, or you mean naturopathy medicine here. Um, so my mother would go to all doctor visits with her black friend because the difference of her white face made the difference with that friend's care. And yes, I know that to be true. I know Rebecca's mother, Libby. And yes, you know, she would show up and suddenly it'd be a different story, a different story. You know, Dr. Carol, speaking of to that point that Rebecca brought up, you know, even my mother um, in, in Alabama, when I go, I sit there for a minute before I let them know that I'm in healthcare just to, you know, see what they're doing, how they're responding, you know, how they're treating her. And then as I start having the conversations and using the terminology, they kind of go, huh. And then I'll say, well, you know, I'm a physician, but I don't live here. I live in Maryland. And the entire Jeez. atmosphere changes. And and that should not be. That should not be. So then we have the whole thing of also then we have ageism. So we have to talk about that because as people get older too, you know, we tend to dismiss them, you know, in when it comes to their care and we're, oh, well, they're older. No, 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 no. They still have a lot of life to live. And they, you know, my mother was a professor at a college and running a whole department, you know, writing Title III, you know, grants. And, you know, so you're not dealing with, with you know, just, you know, somebody that does not understand and can't comprehend. And, and, and you know, so it, it goes with, it goes both ways. You know, Rebecca, that was amazing what your mother did and was able to, to be able to see that in that in that real time and say you know what i need to show up for my friend that is a part of this you know collective of the community helping each other you know being allies and being able to help and shift and change the conversations absolutely and so we have here i experienced yes patricia i experienced it as a low income person hard to find doctors who want to treat us too absolutely absolutely you know, it is, you know, the, unfortunately, the healthcare industry, the industry, the corporate structure, you know, fortunate, both fortunate and unfortunate, the pandemic has shown that the emperor has no clothes. It is a very unequal system of who gets what, and it's very tiered. You know, you get treated according to not what your doctor may know is best for you, but according to the type of health care insurance that you have. And it's it's again, it's it's one of the great American tragedies. So DM, so glad she did, but so sorry that was needed. Talking about Libby's mom. And yes, yeah, so Rebecca, Dr. Lakeisha, exactly right, exactly right. So, you know, so many truths that we are, you know, talking about, we're going to be talking about this all this week. So meditation in a time of madness will be back with us tomorrow morning. And this week, yes, we have another holiday this week, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we will be on at seven and we're just going to go through the rest of these Quans of principles. We're going to take them into meditation. So this is how you can really begin to, um, you know, to 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 embody these principles. You know, I think the conversation that started here today is extremely important. So here, you know, this is an example. Insurance deductible went from fifty five hundred last year to sixty five hundred this year. That's a whole lot of money that you have to put out, you know, before your insurance uh, kicks in. So yes, Linda, hashtag meditation nation. Yes, Kenneth, veterans healthcare at risk. I just finished doing a, a huge week long uh, program with a visit eight. That's the veterans administration in the state of Florida. One of like the largest, if not the largest in the United States. So these are again, important ideas. Um, but we, we actually, the hour is up already, ladies. 
it, 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 you know, it flies. You know, we could keep talking. <laughs> we could keep yes, going. Yes, yes. Because when, when Rebecca put up that deductible, oh my gosh, that was a trigger for myself because our fa- the whole thing, our family deductible went up too. And I was like, well, why do we have insurance? <laughs> you feel that way. You feel that way. So yes, we could continue all, we could continue for another, another hour or so. So let me be quiet. <laughs> yeah. So look, look, look. So Linda's saying we need to do this again. So Linda, I'm going to be doing a version of this all this week, talking about these principles and how we need to revisit, revisit and start to integrate them into what we're doing. Patricia's saying disgraceful how we treat. Yes, it is disgraceful. Whoops, Lord, losing my hearing pace. Yes, yes, yes. So she's saying excellent, great show and grand view. So here we go. So I just want to, Dr. Lakeisha and I, two more opportunities. We got some holiday bundles going. So let me see Dr. Lakeisha. Where is it? Where is it? Dr. Lakeisha, tell us a little bit about your Balanced Beauty experience. So I created a bundle to help my ladies with um, making sure that they could get through the stress of ending the year. So there's a nice little bundle box that you'll receive in the mail, along with some digital content that um, one of them is uh, the videos to the telesummit that even Dr. Carol was a part of back in October. So that is the bonus that if the telesummit was audio, you are all getting the videos. You're going to see the behind the scenes of those conversations and the bundle and it has um, some great things in it for you to be able to help to make sure that you are you are you know ready to finish out the year and round the corner with an adrenal support supplementation some relax and recharge tea and my book the the other pms your survival for perimenopause and menopause Excellent, excellent, excellent. And then I have a holiday bundle. It's really an invitation to join my year-long course. So it is Mindset Mastery for the Citizen Leader, whether you are in or out of work, whatever you're doing, because that's what we need right now. We need citizen leaders. We're going to meet once a month. We're going to have long, extended conversations like this. I'm going to teach you the 12 things, tools you must have to keep yourself together in mind, body, and spirit. And you'll also, of course, get my book, Meditation in a Time of Madness, and my new journal. It's a 90-day. I cannot wait for people to get this hands on the journal. And there's really excellent research about what journaling does in the body and in the brain, the neurobiology of it, the physiology of it. Look up Penny Baker and the research about journaling. So, you know, always, you know, wanting to give people opportunities to live their best lives. And what we're going to need to go forward to really step up and to, and to change what we need to change is a strong citizen leader, everybody from every sector across. So come on in, let's get in. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's monthly and you're just going to learn how to live your best life, period, end of story. So we are going to get out of here. Don't forget Weightless and Mind, Body, and Spirit is also a podcast. You can listen, invite friends and family to hear this show. This show is extremely important in terms of the conversation and the ideas that the three of us are putting forward. So that's Weightless and Mind, Body, and Spirit. Of course, you want to share this so people can see the three of us live on, on Facebook as they're waking up on this Sunday. You can listen to it as a podcast wherever you get your podcast. So you can just go over to anchor.fm if you want to just register through there. It's free. Enjoy that and share. And uh, what else? You know, and I'll be back with you during the week next Sunday. Tune in because we're going to talk about arts medicine. And we have some very, very special guests. We're going to have live music next Sunday, and we're going to talk about arts medicine and arts and medicine. And and Hubby will be back next week. He's uh, one of the special guests for next week. So here we go. We're going to sign off here. Patricia, many blessings to everyone for 
healthy, happy, safe 2021. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Terrific info. Stay safe in 2021. The guests were very inspirational. Yes, of course, these women are beautiful, talented, and inspirational. Yes, citizens lead thyselves with Kuji Jakulia. Absolutely, our self determination. Yes, arts and medicine, love it. Yes, yes, yes. Look at this, one of your best shows. Thank you, Carol, Lakeisha, and Victoria. Oh my goodness. You never know. You never know. You really don't. And I appreciate these ladies for sharing their holiday weekend with me, for helping me celebrate my birthday. And we're going to keep this celebration going. All right. We're going to sign off, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.